This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In a sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. We're mixing things up with a special episode today. In just a moment, I'm going to turn you over to two brilliant therapists for what we hope will be an impactful exploration of self. One of these therapists is mine and someone I've worked with personally for years. Barry Michaels is the New York Times bestselling co-author of The Tools, he has been in private practice as a psychotherapist since 1986. He's a longtime Goop contributor and one of my greatest teachers. Kristen Sargent is also a psychotherapist. She and Barry met at a workshop a handful of years ago and have been collaborating ever since. In their practices, they both help people work with their shadow. The shadow, as Barry explains, is part of your personality that has the potential to change your life in unexpected ways. He calls it a strange and beautiful paradox because the shadow is the darkest part of yourself and yet brings you the most brilliant light. In today's episode, Barry and Kristen guide us through a conversation and a series of exercises that allow us to connect with our shadow. They teach us how to suspend judgment, open up our imagination, and get curious. They show us why ignoring or rejecting our shadow leads us to feel blocked in life and how much more aligned we feel when we listen to and learn from our shadow. If their work resonates with you, I highly recommend checking out the week-long workshop they're hosting on the shadow this July at the Omega Institute in upstate New York. From my own work with Barry, I know this experience will be incredibly meaningful. But for now, let's get to today's episode with Barry Michaels and Kristen Sargent. Hi, I'm Barry Michaels, and I'm here with Kristen Sargent. We're psychotherapists, and we're here to talk to you about the shadow, a part of your personality that has the potential to change your life in ways that you never thought possible. 
Harry, say a little bit more about what you mean. You know, you said radically life-changing when people have a relationship with their shadow. Can you shed a little light on that? I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, I've seen people who literally couldn't get up in front of a group of people and talk. They were just so fearful of public speaking. After doing shadow work over time, they got more and more comfortable to the point where eventually they were able to address a thousand person audience. Not only that, they did it with a confidence and a kind of proficiency as if they'd been doing it their whole lives. So that's public speaking, that's one area. But I've also seen people who were just too timid to stand up for themselves or confront someone or express an unpopular opinion. And I've seen them be able to free themselves of their fear and inhibitions and just let it rip. And then finally, in another area, I've seen people who were stuck creatively, whether it was writer's block or the inability to move forward with some project they were working on, or just finding a creative way of working with their kids. After working with their shadow, they were able to reach a flow state and found themselves moving forward with stuff more imaginative than they'd ever conceived of. And again, it was the shadow coming up with the good stuff. So in all of these examples, the strength came from a part of the person they had been neglecting or actively rejecting because it felt dangerous to them. That's what the shadow is. You know, a different angle on that or another way of saying it is that everyone has subconscious blocks that hold them back and get in their way. And the shadow, it turns out to be the shadow is the figure that helps you unearth those invisible blocks and overcome them. But there's something really surprising and counterintuitive for most people about this because the shadow, as its name infers, is the darkest part of the self. It's the part that we all judge and avoid kind of categorically, like the plague. We don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Yet, ironically, it's the part that holds the keys to our hidden potential. I think of it as the psychological secret sauce. So just pause for a moment and think about this sort of strange and beautiful paradox. It's the darkest part of yourself, and yet it brings you the most brilliant light. And because that paradox is just so mind-bending and strange, it's actually better to demonstrate it than to talk about it in the abstract. So I know, I know you know what I'm about to say, Kristen. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind being my guinea pig, can we, can we please demonstrate this for our audience? Well, of course, that is a rhetorical question because I'm always the one who gets sawed in half in this magic. <laughs> so yes, I will spill my guts and yes, I... I brought some uh, material to work on today. So what I came up with is actually something that I've been struggling with related to my role as a therapist. So here's the situation. Sometimes I'm aware, and it's at the end of a session, that there was something kind of like a sitting duck interpretation or reflection that I really needed to say to someone, but I hold back. I don't say it, mostly because I'm afraid that the interpretation will like bruise their ego in some way or crush them, make them feel badly. And so the problem is that at the end of the session, I'm really aware that I held something important and vital back. So I am feeling badly about it, but I'm still not finding the courage to say the hard thing in the session. Got it. So back up for a moment though, and, and tell me, has it ever actually happened, you know, where you blurted something out and hurt someone's feelings because you were so blunt? You know, I guess 
no, <laughs> come to think of it. It's so funny. That's my worst fear. But in actuality, no, I've never irrevocably damaged a relationship with a patient because I said something hurtful. No. Great. So then, so then think about where do you think that fear comes from if it, if it hasn't actually happened in reality? Well, you know, gosh, mom, I'm sorry for this, but doesn't it always <laughs> come back to mom? I guess it does harken back to my relationship with her. She was a little fragile. Her parents were um, Holocaust survivors. And I definitely got the message early on that there were certain things I couldn't say, you know, like feelings or thoughts that would just be too devastating. The feeling was that I would destroy her if I said those things out loud. So I guess that's what I started pulling my punches. Got it. Okay. Now we're ready to define our terms. So let's just assume that the part of you that wants to speak the truth openly and brazenly, let's assume that's your shadow. And again, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the concept, we're calling it shadow, quote unquote, because it's a part of you, it's a part of yourself you view as bad. You know, in your case, it's likely to hurt your mother and by extension, other people. And so therefore, it's the part of you that you would naturally try to repress or reject. That's why we call it shadow. And let's just assume that you've been censoring your shadow ever since childhood which leads to a very important question. We know how you feel about your shadow. You're concerned about her and you want to censor her, but your shadow probably has some feelings about you. You know, this takes some getting used to for the audience. The shadow is truly an alternate being living inside of you. So you have feelings about it, but trust me, it has feelings about you as well. So think about it for a moment, Kristen, from her point of view, she's just a truth teller but you've been treating her as if she's some sort of dangerous terrorist who needs to be kept under lock and key. You with me so far? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good. So with that background, you're ready to visualize your shadow and actually work with her. So close your eyes and just imagine that you're back with your mother and that there's something you really want to say, but you're aware that it could hurt her feelings. In this visual, though, instead of holding back, imagine that you go for it. You say the unsayable. Now, what I want you to do is see the part of you that's willing to go for it, tell the truth, willing to let the chips fall where they may. In other words, it's the part of you that's unafraid of hurting your mom's feelings. Now, what does she look like? So funny. I get a visual right away. It's kind of like a cartoon figure that's springing out of my chest, almost like a, you know, a dialogue bubble in a cartoon strip. And the image is like this monster, but it's very animated. It's like a child scrawled it, almost like a Pac-Man kind of figure monster. And it's springing for my mom. It's going for the jugular. Mm, that's perfect. That's your shadow. Now, as we said before, we know how you feel about your shadow. You feel she's dangerous. She's going to pop off, get you into trouble, et cetera. But let's just see how your shadow feels about you. So keep your eyes closed and see if you can just intuit how the shadow feels about the fact that you've been systematically stifling her voice. 
You can find this out by talking to her and believe it or not, she'll talk back to you or just by intuiting it from her attitude toward, toward you. Yeah. It's so sad. She really thinks I'm pathetic. It's funny. It's like anger. She was angry and disappointed like a million moons ago, but now she's just totally given up on me. She's not going to feed me any of the good stuff because she just knows I'm not assertive enough to do anything with it. So she's just, she's given up on me. I think pathetic Mm. would be how she would describe me. Mm, Okay. So let me just flag this because now you're pointing out an even bigger price that you pay for rejecting your shadow which is that she's given up on you. She's unwilling to even give you the good insights. She's sort of cutting you off because you're not trustworthy, which leads to the next question. If she stops giving you the good nuggets, you know, those therapeutic insights that really define you as a good therapist, how will that leave you feeling? You know, I'm, I mean, impotent and not effective and also probably bored and disenchanted with my work. So not good. Yeah. Kind of takes the fun out of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me back up and just sort of review where we've been. You've essentially created, as we all do, a dysfunctional system inside yourself when you reject your shadow. So, and you shouldn't feel uniquely singled out here. Let's make it clear. Every single one of us has created one of these self-defeating systems inside us. So what we want to do is see if we can build a new system here. This is going to be a system that number one, gives your shadow the voice she deserves. Number two, gives your patients the benefits of your shadow's miraculously truth-telling insights. And number three, gives you the satisfaction of being the truly incisive therapist that we know you are. It's a system where everyone wins. So close your eyes again and focus on your shadow and start with an apology. Put it in your own words, but essentially you're saying, I am so sorry I ignored you. I treated, like, I treated you like you were a bad person when all you were doing was just giving me these valuable insights. Step two, make a commitment. Moving forward, I promise to value the insights you give me, and I promise to muster the courage to express those insights. And finally, say to her like this, this is very important. Even if I do, unwittingly or inadvertently alienate someone, hurt someone or get it wrong, quote unquote, I'm not going to blame or abandon you. We're on the same team, no matter what happens. Whether silently or verbally, you wanna create a feeling of an unbreakable alliance between you and your shadow where she just doesn't get blamed anymore just because something goes wrong. Okay. What do you think? You can open your eyes. What what was Um, that like? It was actually pretty cool because the visual that I got was that that 
monstery figure kind of almost unzipped, you know, and fell away. And this other figure emerged out of it, which was this <laughs> very funny, not cartoon, more like live action, real um, woman, like kind of a prototypical where, you know, badass woman wearing a suit, you know, confident and self-possessed and unapologetic. And definitely the vibe was completely different, felt very, very different. Yeah. Fantastic. I just want to highlight this for our audience, because for people who are unfamiliar with shadow work, this can seem really disconcerting and strange. All of a sudden, you're, you know, you're looking at one image and then you sort of change something. You change your attitude, you're, you're kinder, you know, more forgiving. And all of a sudden, the whole image of the shadow shifts. That happens all the time. Don't don't be surprised by that or put off by it. The shadow is very responsive to your energy. Its whole appearance, its whole being can change from negative to positive as you shift the way you approach it. Essentially, when you take a more positive approach to the shadow, it morphs into a stronger and more effective version of itself. The bottom line here, and it's very important, is when you work with your shadow, it becomes a real strength that you can tap into. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, so I want to make a point about that and I'm going to get off the operating table now. Is that okay with you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm done cutting you thank, in half. Thank you for dissecting me, yes, in public. So- I want to mention something to preempt it for people and normalize it. And just, just to let you know, in a few moments, we're going to take you through an exercise so that you guys can start to identify and even work with your own shadows. But when you first start listening to your shadow and expressing it, you know, it's pretty evident in the example we just went through, but you're counteracting some pretty intense primitive programming, which means that it's going to feel dangerous. And that's okay. That's actually to be expected. It actually means you're doing it right. It's risky because the primitive programming has been hardwired for a really long time. Like what I learned as a little girl from my mother about not telling the truth. What's unfortunate and limiting is that the early programming still operates behind the scenes in our psyche and drives us, you know, unconsciously as adults in our adult lives so that our decision making, you know, is driven by these kind of primitive fears that are totally anachronistic. So what we end up recommending to our patients when they start you know, taking risks with their shadow and building a relationship with it is just to take baby steps. 99 times out of 100, the primitive fears don't come to pass. In fact, 
good things tend to happen and people end up discovering that their fears are outdated. Um, but in the early phases of the work, there's pretty much no way to intellectualize yourself out of the fear. You've just got to start taking little risks, micro risks in real time to discover, you know, new possibilities and new outcomes. And that's what starts to happen for people. But in the beginning, you know, just to kind of preempt it, it kind of feels like cliff diving, wouldn't you say, Barry? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, let's bring it back to you, Chris. And remember, you yourself admitted nothing ever actually happened. Nothing bad happened. And you know what? Even if it did happen, if the shadow came up and popped out and said something that offended a patient or something, guess what? You'd apologize. And that would be it. And I can't count the number of times I've had to apologize to a patient because their feelings got hurt or I misstated something or, you know, whatever, just the normal, this is a normal part of human relationships that miscommunication happens and hurts happen. Hurt feelings, disagreements, et cetera, are normal and they're recoverable. That's not a problem. If you're not being real with your patients, not giving them the deep insights that you're capable of, that's a serious problem because then you're wasting their time. Yeah, you know, and this is a point that is general, not just specific to my story. You know, when we keep parts of us hidden from ourselves or from the world, we're actually withholding and withdrawing some of the best parts of ourselves, which again is a bit of a mind warp. You know, you got to get used to that, but everyone loses. So even though you're expressing a part of you again, that you feel might be ugly or shameful or, you know, dangerous, it's really critical that you start to take steps forward with it. Because again, come to find out you're holding things back that come from some primitive programming you've made some decisions about, but actually hidden gems are in, you know, in the shadow. I have an example, you know, that illustrates this a little bit. What I shared about my shadow, being afraid to express hard truths, upsetting people is actually pretty thematic material for women. And that's because of the way the shadow gets formed, which will probably be useful for people to hear. So let me explain a little bit about that. As children, we have a mandate to earn the approval of our environment. And we all get messages, whether it's from our parents or the culture at large, about who it's okay for us to be and who it's not okay to be, like what's safe and what's not safe. Sometimes those messages are direct and spoken to us, and often they're just implicit, but Lord knows we get the memo. Now, girls get a very specific kind of feedback. We come to understand that in order to be loved, desired, valued, seen, good, etc., we need to be things like pleasing, endlessly flexible, unthreatening, modest, nice, and that creates a big shadow for women that's made up of all the qualities that are at odds with the good girl prototype. The effect of this is that it ends up feeling really dangerous to express qualities that conflict with the prototype, like being direct or uncompromising, unspoken, strong-willed, self-centered. Unconsciously, women carry a fear that will fall out of favor or be excluded from the social matrix, shunned, shamed, single forever, you know, and I see this regularly in my practice. Now, the biggest problem or one of the biggest problems from my perspective is that beyond the pain to the individual, 
is that when women can't own their shadow side, the world gets robbed of some of its greatest contributions and progress. But there's something we want to turn our attention to that's equally awful that happens when you don't honor your shadow that we need to talk about. And that's that it's going to come out anyway. But in this uncensored, unmediated, and often self-sabotaging way, So again, back to me, you know, my shadow was leaking out all over the place. I was starting to feel bored with my work and resentful. Then I'd take those bad feelings home and inject them into my family as irritability and impatience. I was basically oozing my shadow all over the place. So this is going on for people all the time, ping-ponging back and forth between their ego identity and their shadow identity. For me, the ping-pong was between the good, pleasing, censored self and the irritable, bitter, resentful self. We're all walking around at odds with parts of ourselves, you know, all the time, just not knowing it. And not only does it feel bad, you know, like a subtle self-abandonment or betrayal, but the shadow finds its way out despite us. So that's important to know. I can give you some other classic examples of this ping-ponging that'll be, you know, familiar to to many of you. There's the really well-meaning, kind, almost excessively polite person who then occasionally and out of the blue erupts in a rage attack. And you're so shocked because they seem so nice, you know, the rest of the time. There's someone who lives a very disciplined, straight and narrow life during the week. And then on the weekends, just binges, gambles, overeats, goes on shopping sprees. In other words, loses all control, you know, completely. And then there's the old classic example of the fundamentalist religious leader who rails against homosexuality from the pulpit and then gets caught having sex in the men's bathroom. These strange Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde examples are extreme versions of what's going on for all of us in subtle ways all the time. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. So Barry, let's take it out of theory now and give people an opportunity to kind of play around with and start to feel into their own shadow. But before Barry, you take them into the exercise. I just want to add a caveat here, which is really important again, for you to kind of lean into as you open up to this work, this shadow work is a process and it's a muscle that you develop over time. In the beginning, it's going to require that you suspend judgment because it's a very non-left brain exercise. None of us are taught, you know, how to think of ourselves this way. We don't really conceive of the world this way. So as you go through this exercise, first of all, pull over to the side of the road if you're driving because you're going to close your eyes. But I invite you to bring openness and curiosity, kind of a suppleness, and also you're going to be, you know, enlisting your imagination, the faculty of your imagination in a really big way. So that's all good. And, you know, again, we invite you to get on the ride. The power of your unconscious is far greater than you know, but in order to access it, it takes this kind of suspension of disbelief. So 
just kind of have fun. The other piece, by the way, is you can go over this, you can replay this because every time you visit this material, it'll just start opening up to you. What the shadow really cares about is consistency and effort. I guarantee that it's waiting for you to pay attention, shine a light on it um, and show up. But again, it may take a handful of times before it starts to really speak to you and connect back. The first shadow work that I ever did whenever it was like 35, 40 years ago, I had read books about the shadow, but I'd never actually worked with it internally. And for me, it came up as a like 15 year old, angry adolescent figure on a particular intersection in Los Angeles. And I would visualize him, he would be standing there in the intersection. And I'll never forget the first time I did this, because it was so surprising to me. I came up to him, I said, Hey, I'd like to talk to you. He instantly gave me the finger, said F you, I mean, screamed F you and walked away. It was shocking to me, first of all, that he had that much autonomy, you know, that he just, you know, out of the blue, just attacked me like that. And secondly, that he was so angry, so rejecting of me. So I figured, okay, he's pissed, obviously. I just need to show up. So every single day, day after day, week after week, month after month, I showed up, just kept, you know, asking him if I could talk to him. He would give me the finger, say F you and walk away. For months, this went on until finally one day I came to him. I said, hey, I'd still like to talk to you. And he put his hands on his hips and he said, all right, what do you want? What do you want from me? He was still pissed. But from that point on, I knew, oh, okay, okay. There's a chance of an actual relationship here. So all of that is to say, don't be surprised if your shadow takes autonomous action, really acts like a, like a separate person, because it is a separate being living inside of you. And secondly, don't be surprised if there's a wooing period where you have to kind of win your shadow back, because let's face it, it's life hasn't been great living inside of you. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, I just want to add on and say it really is different for everybody. You know, some people's shadow has no trust or faith in them. And some people's shadow is just so grateful that you showed up, you know, to the job finally. It's going to be different. And again, you kind of just get on the ride and, and keep showing up. But if you show up consistently, there will come a day. When your shadow speaks in its own voice back to you, whether that's directly, like it sounds like a voice that happens for some people, or it's more kind of just in your mind's eye, but you will know the difference. You will know when some material or information is coming from this separate part of you. So let's get into a visualization. It'll give you a way to visualize your shadow, and then we'll give you another exercise that'll get you started working with it. So here's how to form an image of your shadow. Just close your eyes, again, not if you're driving, but close your eyes and recall an instance in which you said or did something that was selfish or bad or hurtful to someone else. Or it could even just be an instance where you just had the urge to do something like that. Maybe you had the impulse to take something that wasn't yours. Maybe a child was annoying you so relentlessly you lost your temper. Maybe you secretly felt joy in someone else's loss, you know, what we call schadenfreude. You were taking pleasure in someone else's pain. Once you've picked a situation, recreate it so vividly, it's as if it's happening right now in the present. 
re-experience all of the thoughts and feelings and all of the sensations as intensely as you can. Now push all of the thoughts and feelings out in front of you and give them a face and a figure that looks something like you, only worse than you actually look. Don't worry about being accurate. There's no right or wrong image here. You should basically be looking at a kind of an evil twin version of yourself, kind of like the embodiment of your worst qualities. And by the way, if you're not good at visualizing, just see if you can sense its presence in front of you. That'll work just as well as a crisp visual image. Okay, now that you have a visual image of your shadow, let's see if we can get you started working on it. Remember, you think of the shadow as bad, shameful, potentially hurtful to people. But remember, Kristen's shadow wasn't intentionally or intrinsically bad or hurtful. It only seemed that way because Kristen wasn't brave enough to speak the insights her shadow was giving her. So we're going to ask you to suspend all judgments you have toward your shadow. Even more, we actually want you to be kind of curious about what it really wants. What are its needs, desires, ambitions that you've neglected or refused to meet? Who is your shadow? We're trying to find out more. So once again, visualize your shadow, just like you did a moment ago. And just imagine that your shadow has a vision of you where you are much bigger, more expressive, and more expansive than anything you've ever imagined yourself being. And imagine that your shadow wants nothing more than for you to fulfill that potential that it sees in you. You don't have to know all of the details of what that expanded life would look like. All you need to know right now is that it has been deeply frustrating and disappointing to your shadow that you have refused to acknowledge these ambitions, much less try to fulfill them. In light of that, do what Kristen did. Simply apologize to your shadow from the deepest part of your heart. You're apologizing for not listening to or acting on its ambitions for your life. You can put this in your own words or you can use these. I know that all you ever really wanted was for me to be the best, most expansive version of myself. And I wimped out. I turned away from the true path. Finally, declare your intention to return to that true path. You might not know what the path looks like, but the shadow can help you anyway. Simply plead with the shadow to give you just one or two specific action steps that you could take, like today or tomorrow, that would set you off in the right direction. The steps can be very small. In fact, the smaller, the better. But ask for them to be as concrete and specific as possible. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Now here is where the rubber meets the road, because once the shadow actually asks you to take some specific action steps, you're on the hot seat. 
Now, obviously, when you do take one of these action steps, you should keep checking in with your shadow every day to receive your ongoing instructions for the next day. What happens is day after day, action step by action step, you're allowing your shadow to help you build a much more expanded, inspired life than you ever imagined possible. So hopefully you got some nuggets out of that, you know, first exposure, first probably for many people. But again, I just want to reassure you that if you didn't, just keep asking. You know, so often when people start this work, you know, they'll come back to me and they'll say, I don't know if my shadow was talking or I was talking, I was manufacturing it. It doesn't matter. Just again, kind of go with it. Trust, follow. If something bubbles up, trust that it's from your shadow. The more you invest in the relationship, the more clear the relationship will become, the more animated and confident the shadow will be to communicate with you and express itself. So again, there's kind of this, you know, courtship, like Barry said, or a little trial and error. And that's part of this process. Again, there will be a moment when your shadow will speak in its own voice and say, my shadow, the first thing it said to me, by the way, I guess, well, anyway, I'm getting analytical because it was like a, a little girl version of me, but really wanted me to go get a mint chocolate chip ice cream cone with sprinkles. And so I was, you know, I did it. I had a shadow date and, you know, got ice cream. You know, what we're going for here over time is a working partnership between the ego and the shadow. It's not either or, it's not unilateral. It has been unilateral because again, unwittingly, without knowing it, the ego has been driving based on its own agenda, agenda excuse me, and you know, judging and assuming a lot about the shadow. So now you're you know, setting off on this repair process, again, that will happen the more you listen and heed these little directives and missives from your shadow, but it's not a unilateral situation. In fact, this work really opens up almost like a pluralism, a new way of seeing and experiencing yourself where there's more voices than just the ego's perspective. Come to find out, you know, humans are fluid and multidimensional, and there's a lot of hidden dimensions of our intelligence that we can start to gain access to as we listen to, animate, legitimize this part of the self that lives in the unconscious. And there's a really great quote. It's kind of a famous Carl Jung quote that, you know, really applies here. Carl Jung is the Swiss psychiatrist who's really the, the father of shadow work. And he encapsulated a lot of how this stuff works when he said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll call it fate. It's a really profound <laughs> statement, you know, kind of takes us back to the beginning of the conversation when we we're talking about subconscious blocks that people experience. You know, I think we've all had the experience where we know we're getting in our own way, we're hitting our head against the same wall over and over, running into the same situations with the same cast of characters, generally speaking, over and over. And it kind of feels like it's happening to us when in fact, so often we're throwing up those obstacles and recapitulating the circumstances. We're actually casting the shadows and it's shadow work, consciously turning in the direction of your unconscious where the shadow lives, listening, getting curious, about it, that helps you unearth those invisible blocks and really open up your life in all these incredible ways. This process will take you kind of to, you know, down that corrective path. And I like to think of it as it kind of helps you unlock the next level of your potential that you seemingly can't get access to. You know, the, the common fear with shadow work is if I acknowledge the shadow and start to work for it, it's going to take over my life. 
but it's the opposite. It's when you don't acknowledge the shadow. It's when you don't work with the shadow. That's when it's likely to take over because frankly, you've given it no choice. There are two things that you can do actively to prevent a shadow takeover. The first is interacting with the shadow, you know, every day or at least, you know, frequently. And the second is take the action steps it wants you to take. Every time it asks you to take an action step and you do it, you're creating inner harmony and you're, you're making it unnecessary for the shadow to take over to get its day in the sun. So one of my favorite things that you ever said to me, because it drove all this home and, you know, in a whole other way, a simple statement you said, when you don't know what to say to someone in a therapy session, you actually just turn to your shadow and you ask, which again, you know, was kind of mind blowing to me because I didn't understand that the relationship could come to be so real time, so I don't know, like having an inner counsel or something. Yeah, I, it, boy, it's been such a learning process for me too. You know, 35, 40 years ago when I started doing shadow work, I didn't, I didn't realize that it was such a resource either, but I just began to rely on it more and more frequently, you know, particularly when I was stuck in a therapy session. I'll never forget one guy came in, he was a very sort of buttoned down, uptight. He was, you know, just sort of that unemotional, unexpressive type of person. And when I sat there for the first 15, 20 minutes of the session, just thinking, I have no idea what to say. He barely could even describe what was wrong or what his problem was. And so finally, just out of exasperation, I turned to my shadow and said, Hey, what do I do? Like, what, please help me anything, you know, kind of thing. And I'll never forget this. My shadow very calmly and firmly said, look at his eyes. And so I looked really deeply into his eyes. And in my imagination, I saw a single tear well up and spill over, you know, out of one of his eyes. And so I took a deep breath and I said to him, listen, I don't really know what's going on with you. I'm not even sure I understand why you're here exactly, but I can tell you one thing. I just get the feeling of immense sadness. And there was a beat and he burst into tears. And he said, thank you so much. I've never felt so seen or understood. Now I still to this day don't completely understand what the hell happened. But I know, I knew from that day on that my shadow was a source of wisdom that I would never be able to come up with on my own, that it would really be able to get me unstuck in these situations where my ego just wasn't sufficient. It wasn't enough. You know, the other thing I love about that story is that to me, you know, it was an admission that you're, this work is forever work. It's always going to be, you know, a process. You're, we're not ever fully baked. You know, you don't know everything. You, Barry, don't know everything, which was easy for me to kind of put you on a pedestal back then. And so I'm just curious, kind of, you know, on that note, how is your shadow currently alive in your life? And what is the front kind of line that you're working with it today? My shadow is helping me a lot, probably more than in any other period of my life, because in the last few years, my anxiety is just off the charts. I mean, I think everyone's is, but I'm certainly no exception to it. 
And my shadow helps give me courage. It calms me down in situations where I'm anxious. So let me give you some background. I grew up in a really chaotic, emotionally volatile family. There were threats of suicide, actual suicide attempts, sexual boundary violations. I mean, it was a crazy shit show. And when I was a kid, I dealt with all of this chaos by throwing myself into dangerous situations and conquering my fear. I just dove into one risky situation after another. When I was around 10 or 11 years old, I climbed up on the roof of our house. I strapped cardboard flaps to my arms and I jumped off the roof because I was convinced that if I flapped my arms hard enough, I would be able to fly. Didn't succeed, but I didn't hurt myself either. Now, again, at the time, I never would have thought of this as a strong part of me or as a resource. It felt out of control. I mean, it actually kind of scared me for myself, but that's what makes it shadowy. It's only now that I've befriended this part of myself that I realize it has strengths that I need. Mainly, it has unbounded courage and it's not anxious about anything. It's brave. It also has this sense of drive and ambition, like I can do anything. And it has a curiosity about the dark side in general. That's so cool. It's, uh, it's endlessly interesting to me. So the part of you that compelled you to do stupid, dangerous shit as a kid, once you got to know it and understand it and make some space for it, actually turned out to be an ally and a resource is what you're saying. You know, look, nowadays I have a very solid, stable, predictable life, but I still get anxious sometimes, especially in the last few years. And when I do, I invoke my shadow. I invoke that part of me that's brave and strong and willing to do anything that requires courage. So I visualize him, I plead for his help, and I feel his solidity and his fortitude just flooding into me. And I can tell you it's real. It's very real. I can feel myself getting stronger and more stable because he's there with me. But it also gives me something even more important. My shadow gives me the feeling I can do anything. The sky's the limit. And that's because he's so unafraid of danger. So he gives me a vision of my potential that's far more expansive than anything I would come up on my own, with on my own. And he gives me the courage to keep going, to keep trying to fulfill that potential. If I didn't do the shadow work, if I didn't commune with him daily, he'd probably take over. He'd probably compel me to actually do dangerous things in my life in order to feel courageous and expansive. And that would be potentially, you know, that could potentially sabotage my life. You can have intimacy with a part of yourself that you've been judging, abandoning, neglecting, denying, mostly because, you know, none of us know how to get in touch with this part of the self. And as you do, it will be all these things to you, but you'll have this intimacy with yourself that allows you to take on challenges and take risks and actualize on hunches and inclinations and dreams and desires that are just kind of percolating inside of you, but you can't quite find the courage or clarity to pull the trigger on. So, you know, that takes us back to the beginning of our conversation, which is that people come to us because they sense that there's more life to live, but they just can't unlock it for themselves. They just can't get there. And so they feel stuck 
you know, they feel um, like they can't do things are impossible or it's too late to pursue the things, the dreams they're lost, you know, they've missed their opportunity or it's just simply their hunches are beyond their capacity. Who are they, you know, to want these things or see these things in themselves? The way I like to say it is you give up on yourself, but the shadow never gives up on you ever. Yeah. I've, you know, recently I worked with a, I think she's 70 years old and the homecoming this woman had with her shadow, you know, and I won't go into the details of it, but this was a very suppressed, denied self. It's never too late in the space of the unconscious. Time is not linear and the unconscious, again, it's, it's fluid. It's like in dream state and it's, you can be kind of born again once you start to relate to this material and yourself. It's such a homecoming and a lot of doors open that felt like they were locked shut to you, you know, forever. So it's never, it's never too late. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. We really hope that you enjoyed this brief exposure and that it might have turned you on or piqued your, you know, your kind of appetite for this work. And I think we would say, both of us, there's nothing more liberating than having a relationship with your shadow. We grazed the surface today. We took you into your shadow in one way, but there's so many facets of this material and it just keeps giving. It is, you know, journey and adventure of a lifetime that will continue to help you unfold your potential as you dig in. Thanks for listening to today's special episode with Barry Michaels and Kristen Sargent. To go further with their work, pick up a copy of Barry's book, The Tools, and take a look at the week-long workshop of The Shadow that Barry and Kristen are hosting this July at the Omega Institute in upstate New York. I think this could be a life-changing experience for many. You can learn more at goop.com slash the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.